dude, you're gonna get hurt. He's dancing around like a deranged baboon. Somebody get him a banana. I'm boxing. Oh, is that what that is? A little shadow boxing. Oh, shadow boxing. I was scared. I wasn't scared. I just said you were going to get hurt. I was going to kick you in the nuts. You're going to go down and you're going to cry like a little baby. I knew that's what he was going to go for was the nut. (laughs) I knew it. I knew, no doubt, that's where it was going. Happy day, everybody. We are entrenched into fall now. Just saw the harvest moon. Gosh, it was so beautiful the other night. Yeah, it came up a couple nights ago. It was so big. Loved it, seeing above the horizon. What, that wasn't the harvest moon? No. What was the moon this month then? Someone uh, told me it was the harvest moon. Uh, I don't know, like the apex moon or something like that? Like harvest that? moon is when? In October? Yeah. You're right. You're right. I was totally wrong. <laughs> September. Whatever moon it was, whatever color of the moon, like name whatever it was, this it was, month was, it was spectacular. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, so, hello everybody. I hope everybody is well. Uh, uh, it is Really busy here for me. Bob and Justin just got back from trips. Justin went to Hawaii, and Bob relived an old trip almost that I took with him a long time ago uh, out west to the canyon. Where'd you guys, where'd you go, Bob? It's called the Grand Circle, which encompasses Zion, Bryce, Grand Canyon, and all the little places in between. I saw a slot canyon you went to. Was that in Glen, oh, yeah. Glen Canyon? Was that That's Glen in Glen Canyon, yeah. yeah. I think that might have been the same slot that me and my ex-wife went to on our honeymoon. Oh, is that where you put her? But <laughs> <laughs> All right, we do have a guest today, folks. I don't want to ignore him any longer because he can certainly enjoy this with us. So uh, we have a young gentleman who is in the cannabis industry, which I love to say we don't have enough guests in this industry on this podcast. Um, someone local, I met him at an event in Albany that I attended. I had mentioned to it on a previous episode, Schulteis shows why he's, he's sensational. I believe that was episode 41. If anybody wants to hear a little brief recap on, on the event that I went to when I met Aiden, uh, he is in the cannabis industry. We'll let him explain how, but he, most importantly, um, I know I've been talking about the Hemp Industries Association a lot on this podcast. Uh, it's a very respectable organization that um, I, I can't say enough for. Uh, the Founding president was the president for the New York chapter, uh, and she recently was replaced by the gentleman that we have on the phone today. We have Mr. Aiden Washness with us, and he is the newly appointed president of the New York Hemp Industries Association. So, so welcome to the show, Aiden. Hi, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. It is a sunny day here in Rochester. How is it in Albany? Oh, it's not so bad. A little bit of overcast, but there's there's sun coming through. I've always said oh, that if there's oh, a, looks good. Oh, I'd like to hear that. I, I've always said if there's a city in New York that I would uh, like to live in second to Rochester, it would be Albany. Yeah, Albany is a pretty cool neighborhood. I uh, I grew up actually in upstate New York, kind of near Cooperstown area in a little town called Gilbertsville. But uh, I moved out here about six months ago now, and uh, I'm definitely enjoying uh, all the school crowds and everything and the nanotechnology center uh, and all that everything just that's going on in the, um, the push for for hemp in the in this nation uh, and the push for hemp in new york state um, so it's it's fun it's a fun place to be in yeah and you're right in the middle of it yeah absolutely 
And now here you are with a, yeah, now you're here with a very significant position where where your voice will be heard and and you get to live in the town where the movement's happening. Uh, Are you excited about that? Yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, the fact that we're where we are now, just, I I joined the industry about five years ago now, but uh, I didn't, I didn't think we would be legalizing hemp at this point in time. I thought it would be another 10 years out before we'd really see people getting to the ground with it and but it's great it's phenomenal i'm extremely excited to see where it goes see how everything develops see how the fda decides on different matters and and just uh, see how the hemp industry grows in the united states so this is the the, the true empire state so yeah the fda the usda uh we we definitely are waiting for a lot of decisions that could uh, affect how products are made i don't think it's ever going to stop uh, this train from rolling, but uh, maybe maybe at least offer insights on how they want to see the products made, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of push because technically uh, when the FDA, so if you were to classify, if, if we're talking specifically about hemp extracts here, if you were to classify basically three different levels of products somebody can sell into they can sell into food they can sell into nutraceuticals or they can sell into pharmaceuticals and generally uh the fda has a law that states that they if they regulate something as a pharmaceutical so for example we have uh, epidiolex which is a cbd uh, isolate i actually synthesized in the lab but it's the same molecule as cbd uh, since that's been made as a pharmaceutical product uh, technically they aren't usually allowed to then re-regulate a product as a lower standard like nutraceutical or food. Uh, however, they actually have a clause in their in their wording that allows them in uh, a rare case if they decide to re-regulate products so that you can have both a pharmaceutical and a nutraceutical side or even food eventually. Uh, so that and the push that we're having uh, with Mitch McConnell and actually the, the HIA uh, kind of working together with him, getting everything fo- moving forward. I definitely think that there's a good chance that the FDA will at least allow for com- uh, companies to produce nutraceutical products with CBD or CBG and all the other cannabinoids that are non-psychoactive. So it's definitely, it's, it's exciting to see uh, how all this is developing. It's, um, yeah, it's it's a wild west, but it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's never boring. Yeah, you get calls every day, probably f- from... So, so tell us about your first of all the the company you started and, and what what you do specifically within the industry. Okay, so I have many roles within the industry, uh, as as we'll find out. But uh, my my main passion relies on uh, material science. So my parents started a publishing company. Uh, many years ago, probably about 30 years ago, roughly, uh, since sold it. But anyway, I grew up going to work with them and just, like understanding scientific publishing. And so they were publishing like data sets, not like uh, books, like general books that somebody would read. But if you had a, a scientist that was in the lab and they wanted to get a data set on failures or a data set on, on success rates and all that kind of stuff for different materials, they could go to them. Uh, and so I grew up in a household that was very focused on uh, engineering and very focused on material science and understanding everything that's around us. Uh, and I graduated high school and I smoked pot 
at the time. And uh, I wanted, I thought I wanted to go into the marijuana industry. Uh, and so I graduated high school. I took a gap year. I went, uh, I took three months. I went backpacking on the West Coast, starting up in Washington, uh, in Bellingham, Washington, which is about 20 miles south of Vancouver. And I backpacked south uh, and I actually walked to Seattle and then took a different methods to uh, to get all the way down to San Diego. But along my journey, I was talking about marijuana and talking about the benefits of medical marijuana. And I knew all about the science of it. And I had spent time working with an organization called SSDP or Student for sensible drug policy it's a fantastic organization mm-hmm. uh that they were they were focusing on getting this push and getting people to understand marijuana and all that kind of stuff and so i was out there initially for uh, praising marijuana and talking to anybody regardless of whether or not they were for it uh just talk, talking about the legal le- legal aspects and the science aspects and i just kept on coming to the conclusion that so many people didn't want to talk about drugs they, i mean there's just so much uh propaganda around drugs that uh, people, it's very uncomfortable for people to talk about them. And so I had done a little bit of research on hemp, but I didn't really know all that much about it at the time. So I, uh, since I only had my phone on me, I went to a library in, in Portland and I spent like two weeks just researching hemp and getting to know the ins and outs of it. And what I found was now I could talk to architects. I could talk to uh, pharmaceutical companies. I could talk to uh, clothing companies. I could talk to construction work. Like I, I can talk to so many different people with this just one plan, uh, and and it really uh, got into my whole aspect of material science. I was just very fascinated with it. Uh, and so I, after the three months, I went back home and I spent about seven months mucking stalls and working with uh, a local artist on some different projects and just kind of decompressing. And I just decided that I wanted to start a research company because, and, and, and an education company because much of the information out there, and still now I see much of it being spread, uh, is it's it, it hits at some truth, but there's a lot of uh, stretching of the truth. Like for example, hemp can be grown in anywhere. Uh, it is true that hemp can grow, ver- different varieties of hemp can grow in many different microclimates, but that doesn't mean that you can plant hemp in just crappy soil and it'll grow into a perfect plant. Like, and so, but it gets stretched to that truth. It does, it, that, that, truth, that truth gets stretched into, into that, uh, that falsehood. Um, and, and so there's many things that were just not actually accurate. Uh, and I, I wanted to kind of work on those and get those all worked out. So I started a company called What Can I Do? And the tagline is, what can cannabis do for you? Uh, and my focus is working with different researchers uh, to host events and collect data sets and kind of understand the crop myself. So, for example, uh, this past two years, I've grown uh, a fiber hemp crop to really understand, like, what does it take to put seed in the ground and actually grow the plant? Because there's a lot of learning that you can't do just by reading books. Um, and so I started that company and uh, I've been hosting events for the past four years now. And it's been great. And uh, it's, um, yeah, it's just it's just really fun to uh, educate people on on the actual scientific aspects of it and getting to the truths that are that are in the, some of those falsehoods uh, but then also just talking to people that are not open to hemp i mean if, since it's been legalized more people are willing to talk about it but there's still so many people that i, I go up and i tell them I'm, I'm in the hemp industry and immediately they just think i'm a stoner and i don't do anything with my life 
and they don't listen to anything after after I say that. I could give them nuclear launch codes, and they they, they wouldn't hear me. Uh, and it's just like there's so much stigma around it that really educating people to understand that this is not marijuana. Um, and and really also when I got into the hemp industry too, what was great about it is like when you look at it legally speaking. Uh, the difference between hemp and marijuana is hemp has to have below 0.3% THC and marijuana can have above 0.3% THC. Both of them are just legal classifications for the cannabis plant. And uh, that being said, all marijuana really is, at least at this point in time, I'm sure other other uh, cannabinoids that are psychoactive will get designated under marijuana at some point in time. That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, but all it really is, is THC. It's just one cannabinoid out of over 150 to 200 that we've discovered and all the other material that comes with that plant. I mean, it, there's just, there's this very like small segment of what the cannabis plant can do in total. And so as soon as I realized that, I was just like, wow, I really, really want to get into hemp now. And so I've been focusing on hemp and it's been it's been going great. And it's gotten me to a lot of uh, a lot of rooms and, and talking to a lot of really smart people and just like really you know, getting into nitty gritty facts. So. Well, you've only hit on about 30 things that I want to expound on. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, you got one at the top of your head first. Uh, I don't know which direction to go in. You got, what, what's your first thought on your mind? North. Which <laughs> He says north. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, the hiking trip. Me? Yeah. Was it the Pacific Coast Trail? I mean, what, what was the plan so out I, there? So I, like? I actually went, uh, went too late to end of the season to go to the Pacific West, uh, West Trail. Um, the PCT, I actually ended up basically walking down, I think it was I-5, uh, uh, down to Seattle. And then from there, I met some people and I started, uh, I drove, I like took a trip with somebody for two weeks um, and we drove all over California and Oregon. Um, I spent actually some time in Oregon working with uh, the organization SSDP on the ground. So we, we were there for legalizing marijuana. It was actually really cool because I started in Washington where marijuana was fully legalized. I got to Oregon and I was there for legalization day. And then, or at least when we, when, when the, the vote was cast and it took time for it to actually become legal. But, mm -hmm. uh, and then I got into California when the, like the, the whole uh, journey of getting people to, to go was, uh, was started in, for legalizing marijuana. But that whole yeah so i didn't i didn't actually walk the pct but it was just it was a it was a fantastic journey um i knew i wanted to walk because in high school i was a fat kid uh, i i grew up in a household that had like no sugar and then i went to a boarding school in new hampshire and i had access to sugar 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 and i gained so much weight um and then senior year i just i went on a few different trips with the school and i went backpacking in different places uh, and I just loved walking and that's, I just knew I wanted to walk. And so I graduated high school and uh, initially I was going to walk across the Bible belt. Um, but uh, a teacher of mine suggested that I don't walk across the Bible belt praising marijuana this early on in my, my career. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he suggested that I, <laughs> yeah. <a> smart guy, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so he suggested that I, uh, I start in uh, on the West Coast, and that was that was phenomenal. So um, yeah, there, there's a lot a lot of details to that. I mean, I went to I went to my first like true festival, which was called Barter Fair out in Eastern Washington, and middle of nowhere, where there was no self service, and you couldn't use money at the festival. It was all bartering. You had to either do work or or like trade stuff. It was it was phenomenal. That's cool. Very very interesting time. Yeah, absolutely. What a great experience. So, uh, what year was this that you did this? Just to put things in perspective. Uh, 
I graduated high school in 2014. So you've, you've consolidated a lot in five I, years. Yeah. Well, it was, I guess it's about four and a half years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I graduated high school and then I took summer to work on a few projects and then I basically left in September to go on my trip and then I came back in December. I uh, came back home pretty much in time for Christmas and, uh, yeah. So how long so, did it take for you to take this passion of research and education and, and um, and make money on it? I mean, most people got to be listening right. now going, well, okay, I hear a lot yeah, of things, but yeah. I don't hear products. Absolutely. I don't hear services. Like, like, like explain to people how you can do this. Absolutely. Well, for, for me, primarily, uh, it's middle of consulting. I mean, like there's so many people just want to, into the industry and they don't know anything about it uh, i mean there's there's also so many people to get into the industry and this is the first plant that they've ever grown and this is all that kind of stuff so just kind of consulting i also work for a few different businesses uh so somewhat in sales and also in uh i guess the the term i i've kind of coined for myself is a chief cultivation officer and that's not necessarily in cultivating of plants, but it's uh, cultivating of people and ideas and uh, business models and, um, and that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I work with a company called Pure Hemp New York, which is uh, a sister company of Pure Hemp Technologies based out of Colorado, which is a materials processing company. Um, and I also have some relationships with Sunstrand. Uh, so basically just like kind of getting businesses established and getting things in place but I also grow some of my own hemp and sell that. I'm growing fiber at the time at this time, so it's not really as profitable as uh, as other things um, like CBD, for example. Uh, but I'm kind of looking at a long-term goal, and I'm more so growing that for uh, for myself and for my own understanding, and to make people more comfortable with the crop, so they can walk up and touch it and feel it and smell it. Um, so you have a license but with the state, of, right? You have a license with New York yep, State through yep, Ag and exactly. Markets. Why don't you yep. explain to people yep. what that means? Yeah. So, uh, so currently we are actually still running under the 2014 Federal Farm Bill. So in 2014, the Federal Farm Bill authorized states to launch a research pilot program. And initially, uh, if the state launched a pilot program, it was pretty much just you either had to be connected directly with the state department or you had to be a university and those were the only people that could do research they could get seed they could plant it in the ground grow it and harvest it um and then following years they've kind of especially in new york state they've sort of loosened those regulations uh so now almost anybody um kind of with take with some grains of salt there almost anybody can get a license uh, and uh, you can't if you have a felony, although there's some potential workarounds, but it's unlikely that you are to get one if you have a felony. Um, but currently, uh, you have to still get a license to grow hemp. And so we're still running under the 2014 Federal Farm Bill. And so these are still technically research licenses, but your research can be as basic as I want to see if this hemp strain grows in this soil. You don't have to take soil tests. You don't have to do anything. Just see if it grows in the soil. That's all your research has to be. Uh, you can make a commercial product. You can sell it. Um, so you still have to be licensed. Not anybody can grow it, but pretty much anybody can get a license as long as your state offers a program. And so uh, I don't remember the exact 
exact number on, on all the states, but a good chunk of the states are, I think it's 48 states now are, are offering programs or have uh, voted to uh, offer programs in the future. Um, and so uh, that's that's great. But so you still have to get a license in order to grow your hemp. And then the processor has to get a license in order to process hemp. And then after that, you can sell it to a customer. Uh, and recently, what most people are familiar with in terms of legalizing hemp is the 2018 Federal Farm Bill that was passed. Now, that technically makes hemp completely federally legal. And however, it it's not actually completely, we're not acting under it completely right now. It did automatically authorize a few things. So a farmers can get crop insurance now, which is great. Uh, we can use banking services, which is great because yeah, right. just using cash sure. is yeah, not, right. not an effective effective means of business. Yeah, are there actually businesses finding banking money yet? Because I don't see where it's happening yet. I I know I know primarily uh, like side services are are banking. Um, I know, for example, with NYHA, we're banking. With what can I do? I'm banking. Um, but other than that, there's yeah, I'd say most are not. There's the most banks alone don't even really know that that's been legalized. So that that's a major thing. Is um, uh, even though the 2018 federal farm bill passed, which allows for banking services, allows for crop insurance, and then also allows for the transportation of raw live seed or raw, raw hemp products through any state, uh, regardless of if it has hemp laws. Even though those things are completely legal federally, that means across the entire United States, there are still people being pulled over by police officers because they're transporting hemp products, even though they're fully licensed. So the officers don't know that this is legal. I've been into many different banks in New York State and pretty much the whole, most of the East Coast, except for Florida so far. Most banks don't even know that hemp is legal and that they can use it. So there's a lot of Mis, not not misinformation. There's a lot of uh, like non-information out there. People just don't mm-hmm. know that these things are are available, um, and so I would say that that's a big aspect of it. Because like so many companies, I mean, like Facebook for example, they're not. I mean, now now they're allowing some CBD companies to market on the platforms, but most hemp companies can't market anything on the platform. You can't buy an ad on Facebook, and Facebook and Google are literally the largest platforms. To to advertise on. Uh, if you're not advertising with them, you're pretty much not advertising with anybody. Uh, so it, th- those are major aspects that kind of hinder business practices. But in terms of people banking, I, it's not really there, primarily because the banks just are not informed yet. Uh, and if somebody comes in just not necessarily having total business sense and wants to get a loan for something or wants to work with the company to to bank and, and deposit their money in, they they have they have issues kind of around that because there's still there's still stigma around it. I mean, it's, it takes time for people to change. Like regardless of laws changing, it takes time for people to change their perspectives on something. So there are it's several there are several banks in New York that still are not not lending to cannabis companies. Just so you know, yes, it, it's pretty prevalent. And and we can talk mm-hmm. a little. And I'm glad you brought talked about a couple of these subjects because the Hemp Industry Association has had a long-standing campaign now uh, in Times yep. Square, New York City. Yep. I went and yep. ha- I went specifically to take a trip there one day to take a picture in front of it with my podcast sweatshirt because I have been turned down now for 36 promotions, including one this week on Instagram. 36 promotions where I was willing to pay 
to spread my word to between usually between three and eight thousand people in a in a segment, right? And I would be willing to pay like other people do to to pay for their ads. Uh, and I was turned mm-hmm. down once again because of the content of this podcast. Wow. So it yep. it's still um, the campaign. I, I I've talked about it many times on this podcast. Bob knows. I don't I don't know if you've heard Aiden, but I have been um, a proponent of what you guys have done. And it's and it's ridiculous that it seems like the the reins are only slowly loosening. Yeah, Bob's got yeah, something. I would agree. Hold, with that. Yeah, hold on, Aiden. Bob's got something. No, 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 go ahead, Bob. I, I got a question. Uh, so, when you find yourself in your in the situation, do you feel that you have to present certain documentation, certain proof that this is legit? This is this is okay to go ahead and do. Do you have to present a case that argues with these people? That I mean, like to to a banker or to, or to anybody. Yeah, to a bank to to spread the word so you're not getting yeah. chastised or shut down. Yeah, so use bank. Uh, you said you've been to a lot of banks, Aiden. Why don't you just explain kind of how how your movies yeah, have gone with these absolutely. bankers? Well, I I, I actually uh, I, I started by uh, starting in, in conversation with many different police stations. Uh, I've just gone to many different police stations to talk with them, and that was where I started. And so with them, I did is I created just a, a little packet that had a my license in it so that they know that I'm licensed by the state and I have some some standing uh also showing them the 2014 law and then the 2018 law uh and all the all the regulations that go into that so they can look it up um and then just going in and talking to them uh, I went to the VP of MBT Bank for example and just presented to him uh this packet and and kind of shared with him like yes hemp is fully legal uh, you can bank with it. You can use. We can use your services. Um, this is actually a great industry for you to be in because, I mean, if you're not, if you really want to make money and you really want to be a smart bank, you should be investing in the hemp industry because it's growing. And if you want to get out on the ground floor, that's where people make their money. Is I mean, you can try to get into the corn industry now or get into the wheat industry, but somebody else has already established their their footing in that. And, and so the hemp industry has a lot of opportunities. So that's kind of how I present it to many of the banks. Is like. A yes, this is the these are the, the legal aspects of it, and this is where I stand in the industry. But then also, you are missing out if you don't get into this and talking about the financials of it and like really getting into that because that I, that is really what people want to see. They want to see how is it going to benefit me, right? It's great that it's legal. It's great that I can now work with people, but how exactly is it going to benefit me in, in the long run? Um, and that's that's been I think so far the the best way to cut. Through. Even then, you still have some pushback. Uh, there's so many police stations that I've gone to, for example, that I mean, I can't, I can't get a smile out of anybody. It's just, it's, it's impossible. Um, and, and it's because uh, there seems but, to be the how the baby boomer generation specifically, and then mm-hmm. trickles into the next generation, uh, my our generation. Um, not so much yours, but Bob's and I. Um, that's really where I find the most people that don't want to even entertain the discussion with you, right? Like even if you come with credible information, it's because that credible information hasn't been around for 30 years or 40 years or however long they've been alive or paying attention. So they don't even want to hear anything because, oh, if it wasn't around for this long, what are you going to tell me now? It's going to be different. (laughs) Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, I mean, I've, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I've, it's definitely a, gotten me to create a thick skin i guess you could say oh man uh 
because there are there are just so many people that just turn me down. And actually, for a while before the industry was like, before the 2018 bill passed, uh, I was just saying I was in the fiber industry, and that's where I would start. If somebody was really interested in it, then I would I would eventually release that I was in the hemp industry, and that's the fiber I'm targeting. But yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of stigma, and it's actually kind of funny though. Uh, before the goodness, before the 2018 farm bill passed, uh, I was there was many people that I would talk to and they would kind of just blow me off. And then as soon as it passed, all of them were calling me and they were like, "Oh, how do I get to the hemp industry? How can I make money in this industry? All these great things." And it was just like, if you if you had listened to me before, I would have told you all these details that you were asking for now. <laughs> yeah, and now you so, can charge them for yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so that's that's a, a good chunk of how, I, how I've been making a living. Um, I also just had previous investments that I've I've been able to kind of work off of. Uh, a lot of it, it, I'd say, I'd say something that's I mean kind of challenging about any new industry is that there's a lot of promises that come along with it that everybody will be able to make out, and everybody will be, be able to make money, and certainly people will be able to make money in the long long term. And there are there are some people that will be able to make money in the short term. Uh, but it takes time to build an industry. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. Like I, I wanted to tell all these farmers that go ahead and grow hemp, but you're going to have to be willing to have some risk on it because it does take time to build an industry. Even if, even if it's fully legalized, it takes time to build the infrastructure. It takes time for people's perceptions to change and be accepting of, of the new products that they're purchasing. Uh, it takes time for people's perceptions and companies to change to even be willing to, to purchase these products. Um, so for example, materials companies purchasing hemp material uh, certainly some are more open to it like the car companies and such they've, they've heard about it in those those areas uh but yeah a lot of it is changing perception and that's kind of what i started with what can i do and then kind of also focusing on on the research side of things so working with a few different publishers to kind of pull together data sets um so it's yeah it's a lot of perception changing it's it's going to take time to really bring all this forward probably i'd say at least another three to five years before you really can see a visible industry and then probably like another five to eight maybe even ten years before it's like a really a kind of a healthy churning industry because um, it, it takes time uh to, to grow anything no that's um, right and to so. do it and to do it right with the property regulation you know i mean yes. one of the one of you know there's there's good things of our industry and there's bad things, you know, there's been a lot of bad mm -hmm. COAs out there. A lot of products don't match. Mm -hmm. And part of it yep. is, and I know you've dug into the science of this plant. So maybe you can talk to this a little bit is why it is so difficult to make good quality CBD products. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd say in terms of the CBD industry right now, it's definitely the, the genetics. That's the problem. And in terms of that, it's just that I, uh, are, are, so I kind of pointed to earlier with hemp, it can grow, technically it can grow almost anywhere in that it can grow in different microclimates, but different varieties can grow in different microclimates. Like one variety is not going to grow in Canada and also grow in Brazil. Uh, it needs to be it needs to be uh, made to grow in a specific microclimate or at least in a general area. And so that and then also it takes time to stabilize genetics uh, many of these cbd crops are being bred from marijuana crops originally and so getting that thc levels dropping down to the lowest percentage that you can and then getting cbd pumped up 
the precursor to both THC and CBD is CBG. And so it, there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects in terms of growing the crop that uh, that that's challenging, and it takes multiple years to actually stabilize genetic. But since the industry has just exploded, I mean, most seed producers were not expecting hundreds and thousands of of people to get applications all of a sudden, and then now be wanting seed. Uh, so the industry just totally exploded, uh, and that caused many people to have shortage of seed and then you have many people coming in that are kind of shysters i guess you could say and they want to make a quick buck and they know that most people don't know anything about it or don't know enough to really know what they're looking for uh and they breed a genetic for one year maybe two years max and it usually takes a good like seven seven years is probably the minimum to really create a stable genetic uh and they they sell these strains and they tell people that they're they're perfect and they're ninety percent femininity or, or feminized or they're higher percentage even potentially. Um, and so it's just a lot of almost people selling a, 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 a snake oil kind of thing, salesmen selling snake oil because it's a lot of scammers are are out there and they're selling crappy genetics. And so I would say that that is like probably the number one point to making a good product uh, especially for CBD um, but then also the processing quality and the standards and the testing that's happening I mean we've heard from many different people that all over the country all the different testing standards are completely different you'll take it to one lab and you'll get this result and you'll take it to another lab and you'll get a totally different result um, we're also not completely understanding uh, that hemp is a very good uh so there's a are you familiar with the process called phytoremediation i am but go ahead and explain it for people okay uh so basically what phytoremediation is is uh using plants to absorb uh toxins and solid metals from the ground and groundwater um and then you would then remove those toxins by removing the plant and either sending it to a place to be dealt with just to uh, um, get rid of the, the material or in some cases you can actually send it to recycling plants and like you've absorbed uh, solid metals people can then actually sometimes uh, recycle those solid metals and then reuse them which is phenomenal uh, so hemp is yeah, not what a great plant most, right uh, what a great plant that can do that yeah i mean this yeah. plant can pull <laughs> arsenic out of old apple orchards like like aiden yep. keep yep. keep going yep. on this road explain to people yep. how good yep. this plant is Absolutely. like brownstone Absolutely. sites this plant would be perfect for yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah so so uh hemp isn't necessarily the most efficient remediator in terms of the speed at, at which it uptakes uh chemicals and, and solid metals um but it's really 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 strong and so it's uh it can take really harsh chemicals and not break down and then be more challenging to remove that plant from the ground uh so it's it's really good for really harsh chemicals um so much so that actually they're using it in chernobyl and i'm pretty sure they've started the fukushima uh, project where they're actually uh, absorbing the um, radioactive isotopes from the ground and groundwater and then they're removing them from from the ground and Right now, we're sending them, to, I'm pretty sure, to a place in Switzerland, and we're basically burying it really, really deep underground in caves. Uh, but nonetheless, we're able to clean up radioactive material with this plant. I mean, this is a, I, I would agree. It's, it's, a, it's a really exciting plant because, 
spray. It can clean up. It can clean up toxins from the ground and everything. Clean up your environment. It can absorb CO two and other chemicals from the atmosphere. Uh, you can turn it into your clothing. You can turn it into building materials. You can pretend, you can make food from it. Uh, which the seed is the most uh, um, most uh, nutritious food source that we have in terms of all the nutrients that are included in it. Uh, I mean, you, there's, you can use it for medical uses. There's so many different things you can do. Uh, so on that thing, it's it's a phenomenal purpose for it to use for phytoremediation. Uh, but it also causes issues when you're growing something like CBD, because if you plant it in ground that is not quality soil and it may have toxins in it, then you're going to be uptaking those toxins into the plant. And then when you take that flower and you extract that the cannabinoids out of that flower and then you uh, distillate the, those uh, those cannabinoids, you're then going to distill the, uh, the chemicals that you're extracting and they're going to be in much higher content ratios. And so you have a higher risk of poisons and toxins getting into the into the products. Um, and so that's definitely uh, a major, a major thing to 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 think about and uh, and kind of deal with. Um, it's, so that that's I'd, I'd say a lot of it is in the the growing and the genetics. That's a big part of it. Certainly the processing is is there, but much of the processing we've kind of figured out and, and kind of worked out a good chunk of it, um, at least for extracts. Um, so yeah. Bob, Bob's going to pull up another story just to validate your point that uh, mentions another site where this is being used. Go ahead, Bob. No, it's still Chernobyl. Oh, Chernobyl. Oh, go ahead. For almost two decades, industrial hemp growing in environs of the abandoned Chernobyl nuclear power plant has been helping to reduce soil toxicity. In 1990, just four years after the initial explosion, the Soviet administration of the time requested that, that the International Atomic Energy Agency uh, assessed the environmental situation. In response, it was decided that a uh, that a effort to reduce the soil contamination through the use of beneficial plants would be undertaken. The beneficial plants being um, hemp, which plants mm-hmm. are, are useful in detoxification various plants have been utilized in Chernobyl for their abilities to take up specific contaminants um, varieties to remove lead, what year was that again Bob what year was it this yeah that they planted it no yeah that they planted it what was it 1990 something yes they they started looking into it in 1990 hey so how about this Aiden Russia is, why is Russia always so far ahead of us on stuff? So I, I brought I brought up the fact that uh, in 19, I think it was 72, uh, red dye number one, Russia determined what caused cancer, and they outlawed it, like, mm-hmm. immediately through the whole country. Like, no, no, like, enough. But it took the FDA in the United States in 1979 to, wow. to rid it wow. from us, okay? So yeah. now, so now yeah. he reads this. Russia again, and yep. the 1990s sees a plant that is was taken away from us in the 30s. Any chance to research it, learn about it, understand the medical and environmental impacts, positive impacts of this plant. And Russia in the yep. 90s sees it, and here we are now. What mid 2005, 10? We're finally on board. 
what twenty twenty yeah. years after. Uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely ridiculous. It's not just Russia. I mean, so many other countries out there have a lot of knowledge and are already producing hemp products. I mean, the United States is the largest hemp importer. Uh, but all these other countries are the ones that are producing our products. Like, for example, China produces most of our fiber. Um, Canada produces most of our seed. Uh, Europe has some some production. Uh, Russia does have some production. Um, Poland probably has most of the knowledge, but they don't really have all that much production going on. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's like it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, there's so many propaganda aspects around it, uh, but um, yeah, it's just there's uh, it's 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 annoying. It's kind of it's kind of ridiculous that we, we haven't had this time because now now we are kind of having to reinvent the wheel because we've missed out on 80 years of research to be done that we now have to do in like less than a decade uh, in order to catch up with even try to catch up to, with the rest of the world because much of the world knows how to process hemp they know how to grow hemp they know how to do all these things and they're willing to share how to grow it with us that is that is a hundred percent open no no country really has any issues with sharing how to actually grow the crop but as soon as you get to processing as you probably saw in the uh, the nyha meeting with the gentleman from canada as soon as you get to processing they don't want to share any of it because that's where they own the ip and it's it's understandable they want to have some control over the market it's just like any other company they want to have some control over th their marketplace and not lose uh, hold on it um and so because we've had all this time where it's been outlawed uh it has it, we've we've lost a lot of the information uh, that we've had throughout history um and now we're just having to kind of as i said reinvent the wheel it's it's uh it's kind of ridiculous because uh, I mean, all all the other crops we know a ton about. We also know that the genetics are completely stable. Like if you look at a field of corn, all the corn stands at pretty much the same exact height. If you look at a field of of hemp, it's going to be up and down and wavy all about. Um, there's so much variability in that. So there's a lot that we've missed out on in the last eighty years, and so it's kind of uh, it's kind of annoying to that extent. But at the same time. Um, in some ways, it's beneficial because it gives us uh, an opportunity to get into the ground floor of a new industry. Um, so it does provide opportunity, has some benefits to uh, to not having been around for the last 80 years. Yeah, it, I guess I could look at that. I like how you're, you put a positive spin on it because I don't want to get annoyed and sit on soapbox. That's, mm -hmm. that's not worth it. It's more to, to teach people now that it's coming back. Uh, some of the things you learned. So what's what's some of the things you've passed on to your family, like on a personal level? So first of all, like, are you, a, do you have any siblings? Like talk about your family a little bit. I want to understand your uh, background. I'm, I'm an, I'm, so I'm an only child, uh, but on my dad's side, I have 17 first cousins. Um, and so three of them are kind of like my siblings. Uh, in terms of my family, on my dad's side, a lot of them were very much against marijuana or they were very much against hemp and cannabis in general. Um, and when I first joined the hemp industry, I was very open about it to them uh, because this is what I'm passionate about. This is why I enjoy doing. I mean, I can I can read articles about hemp and talk about hemp all day long, uh, nonstop. Um, and so they were kind of worried about it to an extent, not really knowing how to deal with it. But now I have an aunt that uh, had uh, has neuropathy in her leg, and she takes THC and CBD one to one uh, um, ratio. 
for for neuropathy. Um, I have another aunt that's starting to take it. Um, she's uh, starting to get. Uh, um, oh gosh, what is what is the term? Uh, what's what's the uh, the when you when you have the shakes? Um, oh, uh, Parkinson's. Parkinson's. Yes. Thank you. Uh, she's, she has part like uh, onset Parkinson's. Um, and so she's uh, taking that for, for that. Um, and so I've definitely opened up uh, to many different people. I also have a lot of uh, very conservative family friends that, uh, were completely against it. And they, they would listen to me when I told them I was in the hemp industry, but they kind of blew it off to an extent. Now hemp is legal and they see their neighbors getting into the industry and having opportunities to, to grow a new business. Um, they're now open to it. And some of them actually have one that uh, a gentleman that takes, uh, he actually vaporizes THC for his asthma. Um, and uh, that, that works phenomenally. He just takes like one or two puffs in the morning and he's good all day long. Um, and so that's, that's been great. Uh, it's definitely, I think most of it's been opening up people to the side of, uh, the medical aspects, medical uses of it, uh, that were previously closed off. Um, I also have some family in engineering that are now kind of more open to the idea of the different materials that can go into it. Whereas previously it'd be like, Oh, we're going to smoke your house now. Like what are we going to do with that? And so it was just kind of always blowing it off, but it's definitely, yeah, I opening up people to the idea that it's not just a bunch of lazy people sitting in a corner uh, wasting their life away. Um, there's actually a lot of opportunity to happen and there's a lot of really smart people in the industry. And and, uh, and so it's, yeah, I think just kind of opening up that stigma around it that, that you, can, you can actually be successful in it without just being a total stoner. Um, uh, any of your family yeah. helping you on the farm? Uh, so actually, no, I, most of, most of my family um, other than my mom, uh, lives in Massachusetts. I live in New York. Um, my, I luckily I have a uh, a neighbor that's um, from, from my mo- my mother where my where I grew up. Uh, that had, has just like kind of always had a. a um, we've always been very friendly in the past, and uh, he was kind. Of, he's kind of retiring, but he still he still does haying and everything. And he had some land and he was just really willing, like wanting to learn about this new industry and willing to kind of take it on. And so uh, he's helping me to grow. Um, so we're using his land and his equipment and everything. And he's helping me to kind of organize uh, the other farmers and kind of get a perspective that they have um, and kind of get uh, more relationships with them and kind of understanding where they're coming from to, to better suit them their needs. Um, and so luckily, yeah, I've, I've had uh, farmers and then other locals that have, have been helping with it too, that have offered land and that kind of stuff. So it's been, it's been uh, a lot of fun, but so far my, I, I actually, to an extent, uh, family is, is great. Um, and my mother definitely helps me with my events and, and that kind of stuff, but much of, I, I'd prefer to keep my family out of my business and keep them as family, uh, because I've seen much in the past of, uh, of, family and or friends becoming business members that then uh, creates an end to that family uh, relationship or uh, friend relationship. Um, and uh, I don't want to see that happen to, to many of my friends and family. So I kind of keep them, uh, I'll, I'm willing to introduce them and kind of get them to understand the industry. But uh, as far as actually being a business partner, uh, I try to uh, go move away from that as much as possible. Yeah, fair enough. So, Let's talk a little bit about the challenges as a farmer. How many seasons are you in now as actually um, planting crops? So this is this is my second season. 
Excellent. And, um, so, and, and so yeah, so this is interesting because uh, I've talked to a lot of farmers around the state in the last couple months mm-hmm. and uh, everybody has to start small. And a lot of times you're yep. not going to get a profit off that first, that first crop. Right. So why don't you describe a little bit of the challenges from a par- farmer's perspective a little bit for people? Yeah. So, well, firstly, to clarify, I, I knew I wasn't going to get, make my money back on the first crop or even the second crop. Uh, I, I went in with that knowledge base. I mean, initially when I planted, there wasn't any processor in New York state. Uh, now we have CNY hemp processing up in Casanova. Um, but uh, at the time there was no processor. I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to get my hemp processed. Um, but uh, I just, I wanted to grow the plant regardless. I just, I, I, I just needed to have that knowledge. I needed to have that understanding. I also wanted to have uh, that backing behind me. I mean, there's so many people that are in trying to become hemp experts in the industry that have never planted anything in the ground. They've never touched any of the, the equipment to process it. They've, they haven't seen any of the real aspects other than reading about it, maybe going to some conferences. Um, and so I really just wanted to have that that uh, that kind of goal of, of putting putting seed in the ground. Um, so last year, so I'm also growing as opposed to a CBD crop or a hemp extract crop or a hemp green crop. I'm growing hemp for fiber. Um, and uh, last year we ran into some issues uh, a, we didn't plant the field densely enough. So while for CBD, probably on average, you have like about 2,500 plants per acre. Um, they can kind of go up and down from there, depending on your specific uh, uh, goal sets. But generally, it's about 2,500 uh, plants per acre. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with fiber, the so the biggest challenge with natural fibers is variability. So when you're in a lab and you're making something like carbon fiber, you know that the carbon fiber is going to be the same density, the same thickness, the same strength along the entire fiber because you've engineered it to be that way and you're manufacturing it raw. Whereas when you're growing a natural fiber, you have many variabilities in terms of the fiber density, the fiber thickness, the shape of the fiber all the way along the fiber, the strengths, uh, all sorts of different factors. And so you want to try to grow your fiber to be as as little variability as possible. And so the way that you go about it is you grow it really, really densely uh, so that all the, all the plants are just growing right next to each other and they're growing straight up with limited to no branching. Um, because if you get a branch, then you have a bend in that fiber and now that fiber is lower quality in that place and, and every chain uh, is weakest at its weakest link. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're growing for hemp fiber, right, with the CBD crop, you're planting 2,500 plants plants per acre. When you're growing for hemp fiber, uh, ideally, which is what we planted it this year, you're planting between 50 and 60 pounds of seed per acre. So you probably have like 400,000 plus plants in the field. Um, on an average, you, depending on the seed, the exact grain size, each, you probably have about, let's say, between uh, 45 to 80,000 seeds per, per pound. And you're planting 60 of those pounds per field, uh, per acre. Um, and so you're just getting really, really, really dense growing. Uh, but instead of costing $1 per seed, you get uh, a pound for, for between 4 and $8. Um, so it's far, far cheaper in terms of each seed cost. Uh, 
So last year, the one of the mistakes we made was we only planted about 25 pounds per acre. Um, and that is good if you're growing for a grain crop because you can kind of get some bushels growing in. Uh, but if you're growing for a fiber crop, that's no good. Another issue is we, we ran into is uh, the farm. So last year we planted on different farmland than we planted on this year. And the farmer that was going to harvest for us had to, had to harvest his corn prior to. And so we were going to harvest the hemp afterwards. However, literally it started just downpouring like every single or every other day for the entire time until winter that we could harvest. And so we just couldn't get into the field. So we were unable to harvest it. Uh, and then um winter came and actually there's uh so when you're growing hemp fiber uh after you harvest it or you cut it you have to put it through a process called redding r-e-t-t-i-n-g mm -hmm. uh and basically what that is is so in the hemp stock you have two base materials you have the bast fiber which is the outer part which is you could consider it probably like the, the bark of the plant and it's the long fibers that you can make either your clothing or composites or other textiles with. Uh, and then the inner core is called the herd. And that, like, just like if you ripped off the bark off of a tree, it looks just like wood, except it's a bit greener. Um, and that can be blended up into little bits to either go into a material called hempcrete, or you can make it into plastics, or you can make fuels out of it, all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. um, and so hemp... Uh, the, the, there's glues, there's natural glues that bind all those fibers together to keep the hemp plant standing. And the main glue is called a, a material called lignin. And so when you put it through the redding process, you're basically breaking down that lignin. So it's then easier to separate the bast fiber from the herd uh, through a process called decortication, um, which is a, a machine that uh, separates the two, two materials but basically, for redding, you really have three options. You can either field red, you can do tank redding or water redding, or you can do chemical redding. Uh, by far, field redding is the least resource intensive. Um, it takes a bit longer to, to actually do it. So basically, what you do is you cut the, the fiber down, you lay it in the field, kind of similar to hay, um, except you're not just looking for it to dry, you're actually looking for it to kind of start rotting to an extent. You don't want to fully rot, but you want those microbes and everything to start breaking down those natural glues. Uh, and then you come over and you turn it once about every week to make sure that it, it rets evenly. Uh, and then between, depending on the microclimate and the weather, it takes between 20 to 41 days to, to rot. Um, and then once that's done, you bail it up, uh, ideally in a round bale. That way, the fibers are not all ripped up and they don't have bends in them. You have kind of a nice even curve. Uh, so you have a higher quality fiber on the other end. And then you ship it off to a processing facility, which is the decorticator. Um, and then from there, it can go into many different things. But uh, so, yeah, so big issues that we ran into last year was uh, the a very, very low um, density planting, the challenges with actually having to harvest it because it went from rain to winter which was not possible to harvest so actually ended up, we ended up losing the crop in the field uh even though it actually it actually stood through the entire winter um i was gonna with, ask you about that like, yeah i was gonna ask you How? yeah about 20 percent of the crop got knocked down throughout the winter mm -hmm. um and 
in some countries, instead of cutting the hemp down and laying in the field to ret, they'll actually let it stand through the winter and let it winter ret. Um, but there's some issues with uh, quality of fiber in the end. Uh, you also lose some of the material because some of it gets knocked down uh, and then it ends up rotting completely. Um, so there's aspects of that, but it's, it's also easier because you can just, you, you don't have to worry about harvesting it. You can just let it go and it'll stand for the winter. And it was completely standing come uh, come spring. And, uh, and, um, but uh, but yeah, so we, we were un, actually un, unable to harvest it because um, a lot of it had just kind of gotten thinned out. So that that was kind of an issue. But this year, we planted at the right time, which is late May, early June is about the right time. Uh, then it grew um, and we planted at the right density, uh, about 60 pounds per acre. Um, one of the fields, unfortunately, we, we planted four fields. One of the fields we lost uh, just due to rain and it was washed out. Yeah, it was um, a tough spring for everybody. That's why I was curious. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had any uh, issues because it sounded yeah. like you, you then, put in earlier than a lot of people did. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then the uh, the other three fields, one of them was actually a pretty good grow. Uh, we actually it was planted in a in a slightly rockier field, so there was probably a little bit better drainage. Um, and then uh, the other two fields were really healthy, but they were kind of stunted in their height. Instead of getting to like ten feet or eight to ten feet, they got to like probably six, maybe eight feet in some of the tallest points. Um, and then we cut it down. I want to say three weeks ago. Um, and it's currently reading and we're going to be bailing it up on Friday. Um, and then, yeah. So it's, uh, in terms of growth for the farmer, I'd say that the, the fiber industry is far easier for the farmer and far harder for the processor. Uh, but in terms of like extracts, it's far more challenging for the farmer, and a little bit easier for the processor, uh, at least in terms of processing uh, or, or producing the product versus just selling it. Cause that's, that definitely has many challenges as well. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. In terms of the actual labor cost, so so do you have um, a lot of uh, potential buyers for the, your fiber? Like, uh, who would you sell to? What kind of companies are out there looking for for this? All right. So right now, I'm selling it to CNY Hemp Processing, um, just because he's pretty much the only processor out there that's up and running. Uh, there are a few others that I know of that are starting to kind of build out uh, build out some processing for, for fiber. Um, but CNY is currently the only one in New York State, and because you have much much lower margins on fiber, um, you you can probably you're looking at probably about ten with high quality fiber you're looking at about ten cents per pound um, versus CBD you're looking at thirty five dollars per pound uh, for just the biomass, um, and so you have much much lower margins. So really shipping it any more than like. I mean, even a hundred miles is pushing it because at that point in time, with all your shipping costs, you've pretty much lost all your money. This is really no point in in, uh, in shipping it long distances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, CNY Hemp Processing is pretty much the only company that uh, is really purchasing it. Um, as I said, there's other companies that are are, are starting up. I can't actually speak to a few of them. Or I can't speak about a few of them, but yeah. uh, um, there are there are some that are that are that are starting up. Uh, so, and it makes I'd it say, nice because you're you're an interesting position being within the hemp industry associations um, yes. and this business to really talk to a lot of people throughout the whole industry in the Northeast. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so that's as I was kind of stating before. Really, my my biggest part and role is kind of uh, finding people that are interested in the business, finding people that are not necessarily in the business and should be in the business, kind of putting 
them all together, just kind of linking pieces together. Um, because it's, it's going to take, as I said, it's going to take time to build out the industry. Certainly CBD and extracts is a little bit easier. Primary, again, on just on on the the uh, processing and product creation side versus the sales side, that definitely has a lot of a lot of challenges to still overcome. Uh, but it's it's easier primarily because it's all the same technology from the marijuana industry, and so all of it can kind of just be translated right into CBD. Whereas with fiber for or grain, even um, as I said, all these other countries don't want to share their information on their processing techniques and their processing technologies. So we have to recreate the wheel. Uh, and it takes time to really build out all that processing facility and processing infrastructure. Also, in many industries, we just don't really have manufacturing in the United States. Um, so that's actually another opportunity that we have is that really, the I'd say in terms of the hemp industry, that where the really big opportunity is, is that we are the largest importer of hemp goods. So we have a large market to fulfill, and all these other countries are fulfilling it currently. But we can, we do have the opportunity to potentially fulfill those those marketplaces as well. You got to be encouraged by how big the list is growing of licensed growers yeah. in the state, right? Like, do you know what the oh, number yeah. is right now? Yeah, it's uh, I know in New York State, it's about four hundred and fifty people are licensed in total. About I think it's like three hundred and ten or something are CBD growers, or more than that. I think it's like yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a bit. It's, it's it's under 400, but it's a bit more than, uh, than that. Um, and then like maybe 5% of that is for fiber, 5% of that's for grain, and then the rest of them are CBD processors. Um, pretty much everybody right now is in the extract industry, uh, again, because the technology is there. Um, and so you have a little bit easier time being able to put investment in and be able to get your money back in a slightly quicker fashion. Whereas with fiber, you still have to do a lot of R&D. A lot of the investment is going into R&D and getting the technologies up and running and getting everything produced so that you're actually able to produce products and then sell those products. Um, so it takes time for the fiber industry, industry to really grow. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely very encouraged by everybody getting in it. It's, it's great to see, as, as I said before, I'm, I'm surprised that we're, we've gotten this far. Uh, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, I thought, as I said, I thought we were going to be here for like another 10 years waiting for something to happen. Um, and just kind of pushing the bill, but, uh, but we've we've made it quite quite far, and and people are really getting into the industry, and it's starting to grow, um, and we're and people are becoming far more educated on it too. There's lots of, as I said, the misinformation is kind of getting, uh, it's it's lessening, um, and the industry is really starting to mature, and so it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's very exciting. I'm I'm incredibly excited for it. So. so let's talk about I I have mentioned many times about the hemp industry industries association can you can you yes. talk about how you first uh came into contact with them uh and then a little bit about their background and then and then we'll talk about how you got into the leadership role but let, let's let's start with the foundation yeah so i mean really the very basic thing was i attended the first nyhia nyhia meeting um and uh there were i think five of us that are no six or seven of us there at the time um, and pretty much we amassed, we created the board and, uh, got, we voted in or like we sent out, uh, elections to the members and then we got voted in. Uh, and, uh, I've just kind of been working on that ever since. And so initially we had to find positions and I got elected into treasurer position uh, as I actually kind of enjoy finances, unless you will get really bored with them. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's fun to count. Calculate numbers, um, 
and uh, and then just having so I, I used to run an organize or I joined an organization and became chair uh, called Shenango Links, which is a, like a local education company or local uh, like I should say advocacy and education company or organization in uh, Norwich, New York, uh, that was focused on Shenango County and, and kind of improving Shenango County and that kind of stuff. And I had joined that after a year of their operation. And then I was there for a year and a half as chair and really got them like focused in and got the organization running well and got the agenda running well and just got everything kind of like running at full steam ahead um, and, and running smoothly. And so I've had organizational skills and kind of running an organization. Um, and then I also just have, I'm, I'm very much connected in many different fields of the industry versus just having, I'm, I, most of my focus is in fiber, but I have some stake in CBD and I have some stake in grain. Uh, and I have knowledge base around that. I also have a good chunk of legal information about every, everything. So, um, I yeah, the the board voted me to be president of the NYHA uh, about a month ago, uh, or two months ago, month and a half ago, um, and uh, I graciously accepted it. Um, and I'm looking forward to kind of going full charge with this and really uh, joy. Um, phenomenal uh, president of the NYHA. She's actually also the president of the Hemp Industries Association, the national organization that that we are a chapter of. Um, and so she just had too much on her plate. And so we needed to find a replacement. Uh, and so I came in and uh, as already having treasurer position and having leadership skills in the past and then having uh, not a lot of knowledge and, and deep connections into the hemp industry, um, it was a, a suiting role for me. Sounds like it, um, so it sounds I'm, like it worked really out perfect. Excited. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, as I said, before we got on the phone, a lot of this, um, I mean, certainly I have a lot of knowledge in the industry and certainly I have, uh, I've done, I've done a lot of my research. Um, but a lot of it was being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right people, uh, getting the right contacts. Um, I know that sounds very uh, cliche you could say, but, uh, it's, it, it, a lot of it is, is very much truth. Um, and, uh, and so yeah, no, it was. I'm I'm very excited to be uh, on the board of the or be president of the NYHIA, um, and uh, we're we're looking forward to. As I said, we really want to grow New York State into the Empire State because um, it, it has a lot of opportunity. It has farmland. It has technology center in, in Albany, and then we have access to the great market of New York City, and we actually also have access, direct access to the United Nations, which is also a a longer term resource, but it will be, a, I think, a great resource for long term uh, business development and, and uh, hemp industry growth. That's an interesting um, point. So that most people, yeah, that's the most interesting point that most people would gloss over. But but that's a very good point. Yeah. I like that. Um, and yeah. I also just want to remind people, there's a lot of institutions, colleges in this state that are helping this industry significantly, yeah. such as Cornell yeah. and Clarkson yeah. and Morrisville and the way they're helping farmers yeah. and the, the process and the way they're doing it. And if we didn't have them on board, uh, it would move yeah. slower in the state, right? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of universities. So, uh, SUNY New Paltz as well, Jared Nelson, I'm um, actually, I'm, uh, I know this, this will, this will be going on the 27th, but, uh, I, this is uh, as we're recording on 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 Saturday. I'm hosting a uh, my my third event out of a series that I've been hosting for the summer, uh, where Jared Nelson and Stephen Halton from CNY Processing will be coming to speak 
uh, about uh, fiber processing and grain processing and really understanding the industry that it takes to how, how to build out a healthy processing industry. Um, and uh, yeah, all these schools, I mean, as you said, Cornell, SUNY Morrisville, SUNY New Paltz, uh, RPI even has some deals. Union College even has some work going on. Clarkson, I mean, it's it's phenomenal to have all these resources just working, uh, just pushing pushing this industry along. It, it's yeah, it's very exciting to have all these different partnerships that are occurring, um, and and it also just really uh, proves the industry to be legit um, and not not just be a bunch of hippies uh, crying crying for for peace and, and love and happiness, which is great, um, but but we definitely need it have some uh some mature business sense in the industry as well uh to, to really make it a serious industry so yeah no, new york state is phenomenal uh place to be in and, and yet yeah, the united nations as i said it's a little bit longer term but it, it's definitely i think going to be a, a, a great resource to have um, so you had asked uh the what the hia is so essentially um the HIA, HIA, the Hemp Industries Association, which actually I want to quickly make a little note there. Uh, it's the Hemp Industries Association versus the Hemp Industry Association. I know I people, try to say that. I try to say that yeah. accurately every time. I almost slow myself down to make sure I say it right for people so they hear it right. Absolutely. So I'm glad you said that. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, many people think that you just have the hemp industry, but there are many hemp industries. Um, I mean, you have everything from the extract industry which alone could potentially have many industries you could have the food the nutraceutical and the pharmaceutical side of the industries uh you have the fiber industry which goes into the construction industry which goes into there's there's many different industries that are part that the hemp hemp goes into so you don't have just the hemp industry so that's definitely something Many people kind of—it's it's easier easy to gloss over because any any article you read about it's the hemp industry. It's just the one single hemp industry, but there's many many industries within it. Uh, just like there's many industries with cannabis in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 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 uh, hemp industries association uh, is the I'm pretty sure it's the the oldest and largest uh, national and now global uh, hemp um, business uh, group or hemp business association or farm. And business association, um, and really the the I'd say the biggest thing that the hemp industries do is uh, focuses on legislation and getting uh, the different government bodies to actually understand what they're talking about. Uh, so, for example, the HIA has actually sued the DEA on multiple occasions for for their uh, mishandling of the information and saying that uh, mis misreading information to the public essentially and, and classifying things incorrectly mm-hmm. um and as as you mentioned they also have the, the campaign uh to initially it was for, for facebook uh in times square the, the 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 ad that goes up saying that facebook needs to advertise now it's actually for banking um saying that bankers need to need to work with hemp in, the hemp industry because it is legal um so there's definitely the, the HIA is a primarily in the, the legal side of things, but it's also very much for connecting different businesses together and kind of helping the industry to uh, grow healthily and be backed by the proper legal knowledge because many people out there just don't understand the laws. I mean, I don't I don't blame them. Laws are really boring. They're written in crazy jargon that just makes them the most boring thing you could potentially ever read. But they are very important because they literally govern how we can build out this industry. 
<laughs> certainly many people want to just go about the wild west and be like oh we'll do whatever and they can worry about the laws but down the line the laws will come and if you're not following them you are not going to be very successful in the industry uh, so they're definitely something to be very aware of so uh, so for example the HIA, HIA uh, sends out many article many emails uh, kind of alerting people to the updates about the FDA for example uh, they work. They're currently working with Mitch McConnell to. Um, they've been advising him on how to write up a, a transcript to send to the FDA to actually kind of push them to actually make a decision about CBD and how to regulate it. So we're not just kind of shooting in the dark at this point in time because that's definitely a challenge for many companies that they want to try to start and they don't know what kind of guidelines they have to follow or even if they're going to be successful or if they're going to get kicked out because they're not a pharmaceutical company or something along those lines. Um, so the HIA is primarily, as I said, it focuses on legislation and legal aspects, but also focuses on connecting businesses and educating people about the truths of, of cannabis and truths of hemp. Um, and the New York chapter is, as each chapter of each state is focused uh, very specifically in New York State, um, because there is actually some legislation and some legalities that are different in New York State from other states. Uh, there's different banking laws, there's different uh, business laws, there's different nonprofit laws, there's many different aspects of that. Um, so that's really where the, the HIA comes in is to deal with the legislation. And we have, uh, luckily, Joy Beckerman is still on our board. Uh, she's currently our secretary, um, and she's still the president of the national HIA. Uh, but she has, a, she has a wealth of information regarding the legal uh, aspects of the hemp industry. Um, and it's, it's great to have her on the team to, to share all her wonderful, wonderful information and always keep us on our toes about where uh, the, the laws are headed and, and kind of how it all works out. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing to me uh, that she's been a linchpin for so long in this organization. But yet I go to, I went to an event to attend it to, to see what you guys were talking about with farmers. And I was, she knew who I was when I walked in. I mean, amazing. This woman was like, she knew everybody and said hello to everybody who walked in the door, even if she was in the middle of lecturing. Yep. Yeah, no, she is. She is great. Definitely a, a great personality and, and a great mindset. And yeah, very, very, a wealth of information, but also not, not afraid to talk to anybody. It's, it's uh yeah, she's definitely, definitely great to have at events. Uh, Unlike unlike myself, I'm uh, I'm very much uh, very shy and, and not not really uh, talking to many people. I definitely have a wealth of information as well, but it's, it's great to have her to uh, really um, push forward on on the uh, the introducing of people and getting everything going. And and I'm always amazed that she just never runs out of energy. I mean, she can go nonstop and have little sleep and still be at a hundred and ten percent at all times. Um, it's, and, quite, it's quite something and, and the passions because the passion comes out in a lot of people in this yes. industry and yes. I think it's because a lot of people in this industry know the benefits of people and their health mm -hmm. like we've talked about a lot of the science mm -hmm. here of products and, and farming and everything but how about your thoughts on how this plant can possibly impact people's health on a daily basis yeah well I'm not going to make any medical claims because that is not technically allowed. However, I will speak to the overall endocannabinoid system. So if those for, who are not familiar, there, we have a system in our body called the endocannabinoid system. Uh, and we discovered it because we've been introducing cannabinoids to our body. And we were doing research on cannabis. We didn't know 
was there previously. However, the endocannabinoid system, in the simplest term, regulates homostasis within the body. So it keeps the body in balance, keeps the body in check, makes sure that everything is running properly. So it actually fine-tunes our immune system, for example. It fine-tunes everything to make sure everything is just running perfectly, making sure everything's tweaked and all that kind of stuff. Um, and much of my understanding is that uh, a lot of it is just, A, we don't really have cannabinoids in our diet very much. We don't have much of our, our products, hemp products in our diet. Our, our diets in general just aren't necessarily full-flown. We live in a very stressful, especially in America, we live in a very stressful uh, society, very fast-paced, very moving, not really focusing on your health. It's just, oh, I'll, I'll worry about that later. I'll take a pill for it later. Um, but really, I think where a lot of it comes in is just a daily uh, daily tuning, fine-tuning of your body. And so something like CBD primarily connects with the CB2 receptor, which is found primarily throughout the body versus the CB1 receptor, which is primarily found in the brain, which is mostly what THC connects to. Uh, and so it's definitely very beneficial to many aspects. I mean, in terms of the medical things, just alone, the epilepsy, uh, many people that take tons and tons of pills for to try and to treat this can just take a few drops of CBD oil in the morning and they're good to go. And they don't have any side effects. Uh, that alone, I think, is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, the whole aspect that people can take it for anxiety disorders, or they can take it for multiple sclerosis. Um, there's for pain tolerance. For, it has so many different effects to to your health, and then it can also provide you with your food and, and a full, almost a full nutrition source. Uh, it's, it's missing a few vitamins. Um, though there's there is some research going on in terms of uh, microgreens that we could potentially create actually a full full-fledged uh, nutrient package in, in just one plant um that's that's a little bit further down the road uh but it's yeah it's definitely it's incredibly benef incredibly beneficial and, and though there is definitely more research that needs to be done before we can 100 percent verify that has absolutely no side effects uh so far there has been no actual reported cases of death caused directly by cannabis. Um, there's certainly been some cases where people have tried to kind of uh, make it seem bigger than it was, but in many of those, in most of those cases, it's, it was, there were other things in somebody's body when something happened or uh, there was other issues that went along with it. Um, so there's a lot more research that really needs to go into it, but there's so many benefits that can come from it. I mean, it's literally been known since ancient China that this can actually be very beneficial to your health. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm gracious that it's, it's coming back and that we're able to reincorporate it into our diets, reincorporate it into our lives uh, and really understand it for kind of what it is. And I think another part of it, too, is that um, since the cannabis plant can reach into so many domains, it can reach into uh, pharmaceuticals and nutraceuticals. It can reach into construction. It can reach into all these different things. What it really does is, and also since it's so big because of marijuana and everybody knows about marijuana, what it really does is it allows people to have a more accepting mindset towards plant technologies or plant medicines. Um, because now now they have this this one plant that can reach into all these other domains, but it's like, oh, well, now I, I found that cannabinoids can actually help me, which come from a plant. Maybe these other things might actually be beneficial versus just being a totally woo-woo kind of topic. Um, so I think that's a, a really great aspect that's coming in is that it's not just necessarily directly the cannabis plant that's affecting people, but it's it's the uh, the peripherals that people get, get into that, that can also help affect them.
It's amazing. And most people are, are like, what is CBD? And uh, I don't want to get high. I get too anxious if I get high from my buddy's weed that he's got. Right. So we, we got to get away from those dynamics. I mean, that's a lot of what this podcast is about. Your information has been phenomenal. Um, I do want to get back a little bit locally about New York State since you are in the New York chapter of the HIA. Um, what's your opinion on what's happening with the state right now? And a, a lot, a ton of people are always asking me about when they think it's going to be legal, what I might know, blah, blah, blah. Um, what, what's your opinion on what's happening in the state now, what people might expect in the next 12 months for New York? In terms of, in terms of the, like, the cannabis well, plant. The hemp, and, hemp and, yeah. Well, in terms of uh, medical marijuana or, or recreational marijuana that's definitely it's I, I know some inside sources that it's, it's gotten uh turned back till at least next year though there are there are talks and discussions that it may actually come from the white house from for a full national push for legalization which would be phenomenal um but in terms of hemp right now as i said everybody can currently get a license uh and as soon as the usda comes out with their final regulations then we'll actually be acting under the usd usda's license um, but in terms of uh, the kind of like, I'd say, where I see some difficulties and where I see some opportunities. So, for example, like the CBD industry, uh, you have really big players like Canopy Growth, and you have a lot of backing from the state for Canopy Growth to move into the state uh, because it looks great for them. Um, and you have a lot of law that are getting changed so that uh, canopy growth can work within the state. So, for example, um, it, as far as I know, it has not been signed by the governor yet, but you may be familiar with the uh, law that passed both the House and the Senate uh, that would allow for companies to, as long as they made them under good manufacturing practices and nutraceutical licensing, uh, they can sell CBD products into the market. Um, that is almost primarily not it's almost primarily for uh, canopy growth to make a good showing into the, the market. Um, so there's definitely a lot of uh, backhanded kind of play going on, uh, but there's definitely a lot of opportunities. I think a lot of, a lot of it's going to come from sort of more niche markets. Um, and especially again, in terms of extracts, uh, it's, uh, a lot of it's going to be uh, niche markets and um, finding if you can have uh, uh, some, uh, I guess longer term vision. So, like for example, don't see just CBD. For example, and maybe you should see also CBG and uh, a few other cannabinoids down the road. Kind of looking at a full blend of things versus just one cannabinoid. Uh, because as I said, we've discovered over 200, and maybe say 50 of them are are uh, psychoactive and classified under marijuana or uh, recreational. And when you, hold on, I want to stop you for a second, Aiden, because you, you mentioned okay. a point that I want to I don't want to gloss past is uh, talk about terminology like full spectrum and broad spectrum for people who are very confused by okay. the, the market. Um, so if I can, if I understand this, I I am not a hundred percent sure on the full spectrum versus broad spectrum, but in terms of uh, so. First off, most full spectrum, like any oil that you extract from a the plant, there are still little bits of, of different chemicals that are being left behind. So it's even then it's not really full spectrum, um, but correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, but full spectrum is generally when you have uh, all, the can all the cannabinoids that are in the plant, or at least most of them, 
Um, some of them get boiled off at lower temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the full, full profile of terpenes. And if people that are not familiar, terpenes are basically what makes the plant smell and then also gives some of its flavor. And actually terpenes uh, are produced by almost every plant. So if you walk out into a pine forest, you're smelling a terpene called pinene. You know, it's not a very creative name, but it's called pinene. Uh, then if you're smelling a lemon, you're smelling the terpene called lemonine. Um, and uh, and these different these different terpenes can actually occur in the cannabis plant, and that, that's what gives them their their unique smells and the, the unique flavors. Uh, and so the full spectrum oil has all of those contents contained, whereas I'm pretty certain a broad spectrum oil or an isolate. Broad spectrum would only be, uh, I believe it's only the cannabinoids and non no terpenes and everything else, just cannabinoids. And then an isolate would be uh, just a single cannabinoid that's been isolated away. Is that? Yeah, is that yep. Very, very good to describe that. Okay. Yeah. And the only other thing I like to tell people a little bit is the full spectrum may have that little bit of THC in there uh, versus the broad yes, spectrum yes. that tries to kind of isolate that out generally yeah. speaking yeah. but these are all general terms folks and this is and i'm yep. glad you answered that way in because i i think that your your honesty number one and number two the fact that even people within industry are a little unsure of these terminology not because the terms mm-hmm. can't be defined but just because yeah. um not every product matches these terms exactly yeah Absolutely. Yeah. A, a lot of, a lot, and a lot of the marketing too, the people that are marketing maybe don't know what they're talking about. And so they market it as something that it's not exactly. Uh, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of this kind of needs to get flushed out in terms of the actual understanding, uh, knowing that when you go at, like, for example, many, many products on the shelves nowadays are probably most, most of them are may, uh, many of them are mislabeled. So a, first off, they may not even show how much CBD is even in, in the product to begin with, which is a, whole thing because you don't know how much you're paying for or it could be just simply oil in the bottle and, and no no extract uh and then on the other hand um in many cases you can have uh, contaminants in the bottles um and that kind of stuff and then you also maybe don't even know what the the exact dosage is of, of the cbd um and so yeah there's uh yeah there's definitely there's there's definitely a lot of information that that needs to get uh, as you said, it's not that it's not definable. It's just everybody needs to be on the same page about it, um, and and like really understanding the full full understanding of it, and knowing that like a customer also needs to know when they go to a store and they're buying a product. Like for example, it's getting spread around now, and more people are becoming more clear on the idea because like big companies like Fox and, and CNN have kind of talked about it, um, but. Many people are still trying to sell hemp seed oil as hemp extract, and they are not the same thing at all. <laughs> I'm so glad seed you brought oil this up, man. Is, is is pressed is pressed from the hemp seed and is an oil, and it may have trace amounts of cannabinoids in it. But as far as we can tell, we can't really measure any cannabinoid content in hemp seed oil. But Whereas, it's got some nutrition what, in I it, think, though, right? There's nutrition to that seed and yeah 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 there's there's phenomenal there's phenomenal nutrition so so for example uh for the general population there's a few different people a few different illnesses and and uh um diseases that can that can cause people to have needs slightly different ratios but for the general population the ideal ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 is a three to one ratio and flax seed has a four to one ratio. Chia seed has a three to two ratio. Hemp seed, however, has that ideal three to one ratio for us. 
Uh, it also has the whole spectrum of essential amino acids. Uh, it actually has all of the amino acids, but it has the, the, the essential ones. Uh, it has um, about the same amount of uh, protein as uh, as a steak does per, per gram. Um, it has, uh, I think it's the exact, it depends on the exact seed that you're purchasing, but it's between uh, 30 and 35 percent fiber content um and then uh it's um yeah and it's it's low, low calorie low sugar uh it's missing things like b12 uh, vitamin a i'm pretty sure vitamin k as well um but as i said there's some there's some potential developments that that we could make it not the grain but uh, another product that would be uh, just hemp and then have all the all the nutrients that you need in just one plant, which will take a bit more R and D to, to get to, but that's that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, so so that's an incredible nutritional package is the the greatest nutritional package that we have. And actually, a big part of the protein that it provides is there's this chemical or there's this uh, thing called a trypsin inhibitor which makes it more challenging for your body to break down proteins. And there is only like out of the, all the animal products you can buy, there's like a very few super rare fish that don't have trypsin inhibitors. And there's no other plant source other than hemp seeds that don't have trypsin inhibitors. So it's, it's really easy and really digestible by your body. Um, and so it's, it's very bioavailable uh, in that sense. So it, the, the seed is phenomenally healthy and phenomenally nutritious. So getting back to the, the whole aspect of the difference between hemp seed oil and hemp extract is I think where people get confused is that it's called hemp seed oil, which it legitimately is an oil, but then it's also people many times will sell it as CBD oil. But in what it really, I mean, like technically in the bottle, you likely have some oil with the CBD extract mixed in, right? So there is technically oil in the bottle that you're buying, whether it's olive oil or hemp seed oil or coconut oil. Um, but what the hemp extract is, or CBD extract, is it's really like the uh, like either the sap or the nectar from the flower. So that's essentially what you're extracting. That's where all the cannabinoids are produced is in the flower. And then you basically put it into an extraction machine, either using ethanol or CO2 or propane or butane or a few others, uh, to then extract the the, the nectar uh, um, from the flower. And then that contains the terpenes and the flavonoids, which is another class of chemicals, uh, and the, the cannabinoids. Um, and that is is really an extract. It's not it's not super runny. It's not very oily. It's it's very resinous and sticky. Um, and then it you after you process that, then you mix it with uh, a, a an actual oil like um, uh, MCT oil or olive oil or whatever to dilute it so that you have the proper uh, dosage of CBD per bottle, and then also you have uh, the proper uh, THC uh, regulated by the, the country. Uh, so that's definitely very important in terms of that. Um, yeah. Man, Aiden, 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 the knowledge. How old are you, son? Uh, 23. Yeah, 23. Yeah, you got a lot of knowledge, brother. I appreciate it. Bob, what do you think? It's amazing. He just, it's like opening up a book and it just all spews out. It's just, 
So we're so gonna much. call we're gonna call this part one of two. So we're gonna let Okey everybody dokey. take a deep breath right now because you have filled us with a lot of knowledge. I'm glad that you're helping helping to represent the hemp industry for New York State, especially in this challenging year where we need to get the recreational plant up and legal for the people and let them decide for themselves what is good for their bodies. Don't let the state decide yes. it. They need to decide for themselves what's right. You talked about the endocannabinoid system. You talked about the banking. You talked about everything I wanted to touch on today. So I hope you agree to come back in a couple of weeks. I actually don't want to hold off having you a second time uh, because I'd love to have you on right around the harvest season uh, to talk yeah. a little bit about more challenges to the farmers. And maybe you can tell me what you're hearing from across the state. Uh, and I can tell you what I'm hearing from across the state. We can kind of compare notes on what the crop is looking like uh, across the state this year. I, I really would love to do that with you. So I hope you agree. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm excited to come back on. This is, this is great. I'm, I'm happy to see more uh, information coming out and more education resources like your podcast to, uh, to really explain to people uh, how the industry is growing. And again, that it, it will, it will take time to grow the, the industry. It's not going to all grow overnight. You're not going to necessarily become a millionaire overnight, um, but you can definitely think about it going long term uh, because it, it is it is for the long haul. And it's uh, it's, it's very exciting to, to see where this all goes. So I'm, I'm definitely, I, I, would look, I would look forward to come back on. And let's all pray that the FDA, if it comes out before we talk again, comes out yes. with a really favorable ruling that does have regulation, but also allows for all of us uh, to try and figure yes. our own bodies on our own instead of them dictating what we is good for us. So let's let's hope that comes our way. A hundred percent. Yeah, that would be great. I, I look forward to that as well. Thank you, Aiden. I uh, appreciate Thank your you. time and effort. And, and from Justin, Bob, and me, Bob, who just got done hiking all the West, Justin, who just got back all from Hawaii. West. Yeah, that's a, that's you pretty spot. much saw all the West. <laughs> So for everybody here, uh, we say get out in the fall, get out in the leaves. Uh, and you like to walk, Aiden, so is there a one hike you're going to do in the Adirondacks this year? Just one quick 20-second. Uh, is there I, a hike you're thinking about? I, 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 don't, I don't know specifically. I have, I have such little time to, to go on adventures anymore. It's, it's kind of unfortunate. Oh, hey. um, you're close but, you know, in uh, Albany to get up there to a couple quick ones, though, just true. so you know. It's go up true. Lake George, I, I will, Buck Mountain, that's a quick one, just to give you a heads up. Okay, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll have to check it out. You have to. At least one, one afternoon, you got to go and say, all right, I'm driving up a little bit north from Albany to this wonderful thing we call the Adirondacks and smell that air, brother. Yeah, what Absolutely. is that, that that little thing that you're smelling when you go to the pine needles? Yeah, what was that, scientist Aiden? Uh, pinene. Pinene, pine yeah. Go, go up there and smell the pinene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go out and adventure, everybody. It's fall. It's not winter yet. Yes. Thank you all. Absolutely. Talk soon. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye-bye.